Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. And today, we are going to bring back a fun segment. And to do that fun segment, I need the man that did that fun segment with me. We're going to do What Ifs, part two, V2. And to do so, I got DS, Dan Sadik, back on board with me. Dan, how are we doing? Hey, hey, we're doing good, man. Um, happy to be here. Happy to continue um, our little segment going on. I love the first one. So I think uh, this one should go pretty well, too. I love the first one as well. We had a field day with that. <laughs> so I figured it was it was about high time that we brought it back. We've got a good dozen or so topics that we're going to we're going to propose, we're going to dabble with and just have a have fun with. So <laughs> without further ado, let's get right into it. So we're going to start with a couple of basketball topics. So we're going to turn back the clock all the way to 2013. What if, Dan, Danny Ainge, who at the time was the general manager for the Boston Celtics, what if he does not pull the trigger on the Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade to the Brooklyn Nets that year? What if they just do not pull off what ended up being the absolute steal of a lifetime. Now let's let's set the table here. So yeah. during the 2013 NBA draft, the Brooklyn Nets GM, Billy King, actually went out of his way to call Ainge to discuss a trade that would alter both franchises for years to come. Going into that draft, both teams were coming off of playoff seasons. The Brooklyn Nets were 49 and 33. They were the fourth seed in the East, but they, they lost in the first round. Celtics were 40 and 41, and they were actually as the seventh seed in the playoffs that year, but also got bounced in the first year. So that championship window for the big three for the Celtics was, was definitely coming to a close. And so a trade was agreed upon where the Brooklyn Nets would send first round picks, unprotected first round picks in 2014, 2016, and 2018, as well as the right to swap in 2017. And then a handful of other players, including Chris Humphreys and former Charlotte Bobcats all-star Gerald Wallace for aging Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry. This trade has had so many ramifications for these two franchises in the nine plus years since that it is incredible to just look back at. Uh, you look at how long, just, just be, from both franchises' perspectives, you look at from the Nets' perspective, they literally got one year out of Paul Pierce before the truth walked in free agency and ended up signing with the Washington Wizards. It was a decent year. He averaged about 14 points per game. Nothing, nothing too shabby. But 
they got a completely washed up Kevin Garnett for a year and a half who only averaged six and a half points per game in his time in Brooklyn. Jason Terry wasn't much better. And Garnett and Terry ended up both getting traded before the deadline in 2015. So the Nets get a total of a year and a half from Garnett and Terry. They get a year from Pierce. They get one playoff series victory in 2014 over the Toronto Raptors. That's it. And this is, they had guys like Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, Brooke Lopez at the time too. So this was expected to be one of those like video game, like dominant teams. Totally. And, and even with Pearson Garnett, not exactly in their primes, they were expected to put that team over the top and it just, it just didn't happen whatsoever. And when they traded away Garnett and Jason Terry, all they could recoup was Thad Young and Marcus Thornton, respectively. Meanwhile, the Boston Celtics turned those four picks, the three unprotected and the swap. They turned that into James Young, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and I forget who they turned the 28th pick into. Uh, I seem to have lost that in oh, my notes. He was one of those uh, picks to in the Kyrie Irving trade too, correct? Yes, yes, you're right. So they actually sent that pick to Cleveland. That's why I don't have it in my notes. Yeah. They, do, they sent that pick in the Kyrie Irving deal to Cleveland. But the reason they were able to send away a pick like that is because they still had their own. And in 2018, they used their own pick on Robert Williams III. Likewise, in 2014, they used they were able to swing, take a swing on uh, on James Young because they had already picked Marcus Smart with their own pick in 2014. So they there were just so many ramifications. The Boston Celtics were able to completely alter the trajectory of their team with this one trade. So I feel like I've, I've, I've set the table for you, Dan. Yeah. So talk to me. What if, what were your thoughts? Give, give me your thoughts on the trade itself. And then let's, let's dive right in and say what happens if this trade just never happens. Right. So I think this trade more, you know, for a large part, set the table for, Danny Ainge to also receive this reputation around the league to be a guy that is looking to fleece you. He's not looking to make a fair deal. He's looking to fleece you. He wants to take everything you got and more, and he's going to give up, you know, the least amount that he possibly can to do so. In this case, I think he understood um, what the assets were that he was dealing at the time. Pearson Garnett, you know, extremely, you know, on the back nine, you know, not even the back nine, the back three. Um, so they got, you know, th- those guys were done. Terry, you know, way past as well. You didn't really have a future with them anymore. You know, the city loved them. But again, if Brooklyn valued them that much, you deal that 10 times out of 10. You get such high valuable um, assets from Brooklyn. And yeah, you don't, you don't assume they're going to collapse the way they did as quickly as they did. 
um, to make those picks even that much more valuable. But that's what happened. You know, Jalen Brown ends up being a guy you take at number three. You identify him. He's now your number two. Tatum, you know, you identify him. You have that pick because of that trade. And you don't have to tank. That is the biggest silver lining of it all. You don't have to tank because that team that traded you those picks, they tanked themselves and they didn't get to reap the benefits that you did um, in the Celtics, you know, from from those those top picks. Uh, So the Celtics got to still be competitive, try to build their team, try to build their core while the Nets were terrible and just, you know, feeding the Celtics, you know, top 10 picks. Um, and also help the Celtics to get Kyrie Irving, as we mentioned before. Um, yeah. And even though that didn't work out, the Celtics wouldn't be where they are. They wouldn't be at a finals level of play if it weren't for that trade. And that is what Danny Ainge deserves the, the most credit for, I think, in his entire tenure. The big three, that formation, yeah, I guess like that will take it for now. But what he did to get those picks to set up what the team is now bar none pretty much uh it's insane so that's what i think about the trade and what it has done for the celtics and you know the nets to this day we don't know what's going to happen with them they're they became a super team that didn't work out overnight pretty much so there's a lot to sort of uh, pick at there with the Nets. They went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs in terms of uh, off-season moves, and it never came to fruition for them. So, you know, be it as that may, um, what if it didn't happen? If that doesn't happen, you're looking at a much more difficult rebuild for the Boston Celtics post-Big Three era, right? You know, you, you tank that first year, you get Marcus Smart with the sixth overall pick. It's a good pick. You know, he's still here. Some would call him the captain. Um, you know, he's polarizing. He is a Draymond Green-esque type of player. Um, he's not going to wow you on the score sheet. But they get that player no matter what, um, I think. You know, obviously, if they don't trade KG and Pierce, maybe they're a little bit better. But those guys were clearly at the end of um, their gate there. So. Yeah, you got Marcus Smart, you got Brad Stevens, new coach, pretty much no matter what, I think. Um, But you don't reap the benefits of um, those same picks unless you're just tanking the whole time, you know? And if you are tanking the whole time, it's it's not good. That's not really how the the sports teams in the city operates. They don't they don't tank for several years on end like you know, a la the 76ers and the process and all that. It's not a town that's going to do that. So you knew that Ainge was going to be aggressive. He was going to do something. But if that trade doesn't happen, Ryan, they, the Celtics don't, they don't get back to where they are as quickly as they do, barring something crazy, like, you know, just hopping upon the next generational superstar. But, they did that anyways with the trade and Jason Tatum, who seems to be like that guy. But yeah, without that trade, I think you're seeing a lot of years like 2013, uh, which was a terrible year for them. Their worst year since the mid 
2000s before the big three um, where your best player was probably again, like Gerald Wallace. Um, But yeah, I think that they look like a middling team for the foreseeable future from that point on. And I think in 2022, they would still be a middling team, maybe like a fringe playoff team because in the NBA, we all know it it's like one of the worst things to be is a middling team. It's hard to get to the top of the top when you're average. And if you're not at the low of the low, you're not getting the cream of the crop of, uh, you know, guys coming out of college and high school. And that's what sucks. And you need a, a very crafty GM. And that GM was able to make sort of, you know, chicken crap into chicken salad, you know, for lack of a better expression. Um, and just swung and hit a grand slam of a trade. And if he did not, he, in my mind, his tenure ends up being even less than what it was as well. He was, you know, whatever. He resigned um, back in uh, 2021, and that was supposed to be viewed as a mutual thing. And I think he was fired there, and I think he would have been fired a lot earlier had he not pulled off a miraculous deal like he did. So the course of the franchise is completely changed. You know, you would have front office movement much earlier than they did. You wouldn't have the, you know, back to back Eastern Conference Finals appearances. You wouldn't, you know, have these big seasons um, that they were able to have when they were called the Bridgy Celtics. Like, you know, we, we poo poo on that sometimes of like, oh, they were good, but not good enough. But at least they didn't suck for 10 years to become good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you would have been left with. Um, if that trade did not happen, uh, you're going to be mediocre, you know, for the foreseeable future, unless you pull off a deal that is so monumental and is such a fleecing of assets um, that Danny Ainge was able to pull off. And that's, that's my take on it, man. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with pretty much all of that. Uh, I think when you look at, edit from the Nets perspective of how it would have impacted them if they didn't do this trade. It's tough to say whether or not they could have used their own picks to, to make themselves into title contenders. Cause they, they were, they were right around that 50 win plethora mark. They just couldn't really get anything done in the, in the postseason. So if they had their own kept their own cachet of draft picks, at least they could have tried to use it on somebody else, not aging guys. But given the fact that this, that Billy King thought that trading for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett was the one, the two missing pieces to putting his team over the top. I'm not so sure that they would have ended up making the correct move after all. So I I think it's really tough to say whether or not the Nets, if they don't make this move, would have been able to find a way to become title contenders and put their team over the top because it it just, when it, the wheels just came flaming off after when this trade did happen. And they, like I said, they won one playoff series after it. And then they completely flamed out. We're continually a 20 something win team, bottom of the standings, just handing the Celtics high lottery picks for years to come after that until Irving and Durant ended up signing in free agency with the Nets. So 
I don't think the Nets would have been a whole lot better if they had not done this trade. That being said, they at least they wouldn't have let their own division rival be able to turn the page from one championship window into the next so quickly. Uh, I, I really think that this trade also undoubtedly allowed the Celtics to transition from that one contending window into the next. You look at just the, the in the nine, 10 years since the Boston Celtics only missed the playoffs once, like you said, Dan, and that was yeah. the year following the trade where the Celtics went 25 and 57 and were clearly uh, in that one kind of rebuild. Let's just get as much young talent in and try and pick the pieces up and see how quickly we can transition. And it was a quick one. They, they were back into at least playoff contention following that going into 2015. And from then on out, uh, they were at least pushing for conference finals appearances. And although it took them a while to get back to the finals, they, they were constantly pushing uh, the, the cream of the crop in the Eastern conference year in and year out. And so I, I think that that obviously does not happen without this trade. They, they would not, they would have absolutely, like you said, Dan, been in an extensive rebuild of some sort. However, I do think that regardless of if this trade never happened, I think age would have found somebody else to strike a trade with first with for Garnett and Pierce. Yeah. Some sort of deal. I don't know. It, I, I highly doubt it would have been as lucrative and been as rich and fruitful as the Nets deal ended up being. But I think the Celtics would have been able to recruit something. They would have gotten something out of an agent Pierce or Garnett. Cause I, I think there was, there were teams that were out there. I mean, the, I know the Clippers were trying to get, not only were they trying to get Garnett and as we'll, we'll speak to in our next topic, but they were also trying to get the Doc Rivers, the head coach of the Boston Celtics. They were trying to get his services, even though he was under contract. So there, there were teams out there that were willing to bring in Garnett and or Pierce. Uh, it just happened to work out that they were able to send both in the same trade to the same team and get a plethora of picks. I'm not sure if that would have been the case but I think they would have been able to get something. I just don't think it would have been as great as it ended up being. And because of that, it would have been a much more extensive rebuild. You would have had more years in the lottery, but, and you would have been banking on your own picks to hit as well as they did rather than Brooklyn's. Uh, you wouldn't have gotten all of that playoff experience early on in the careers of those lottery picks. Because uh, who knows if they would have still been smart, Brown, Tatum, guys like that. But wh- whoever they ended up getting, they those guys would have ended up not getting the kind of playoff experience early on in their careers that they that guys like Smart, Brown, and Tatum have. And that has only built those guys into just crunch time performers that they are today. Now, they still haven't gotten quite over the hump in terms of winning a title, but at least they've now gotten to the NBA finals, come within two wins of winning a, a championship. And they have that pedigree of 
they are now for sure one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference because of all of the playoff pedigree that they have. So I, that doesn't happen, I don't think, anywhere near as quickly as it does for the Boston Celtics. I think we would be just kind of getting into that sort of playoff contending, pushing for the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I think in, in the past couple of years today, if, if this trade doesn't happen. And I just, I, I think that the, like you said, the, the whole narrative on Danny Ainge definitely is for today that he is the GM that's out to fleece you. And it's still relevant to this day. Like that yeah. was the first of many trades that he made to swindle teams and even now, as uh, whatever the hell title he has with the Utah Jazz, president of basketball operations or, or something like that, the de facto GM, he, he just absolutely, in my opinion, and this is, this is very, uh, you will never, we, we have yet to know what those future picks will turn out to be, but sending Rudy Gobert to Minnesota for all those picks seems like a steal and a half. I'm not saying it's going to be KG Pierce 2.0, but I'm just saying like on the surface, all of those picks for a guy in Rudy Gobert that really only helps you on one end of the floor. Right. Uh, I just, I, I think Danny Ainge did it again and time will only tell if that ends up being the case. But yeah. I, I think Danny Ainge would have found a, a trade, a home, for Pierce and Garnett, regardless of whether this trade happens, I just, I just don't know if it would have mattered to the Brooklyn Nets championship potential window. I, but I do know it would have one hundred, it one hundred percent affected the Boston Celtics timeline and completely sped it up to the point where now the Celtics are certified, bona fide championship contenders and will be for the next how many ever years to come that you still have Tatum Brown smart and the rest of that core. Right. So it's crazy. Oh, Oh yeah. I mean, it, it set the course for everything that we're watching today. Like almost every single one of those assets that they got in return, you see on the court. The only one you don't see is Kyrie because they used the pick to trade for him and didn't work out, but everything else is there. Yeah. And, and you leave, if you, even if you look up like news articles that broke the news back then trade analysis in 2013, people thought this was a steal for the Brooklyn Nets that yeah, they thought that the Celtics didn't get enough that the picks were going to be middling. And obviously hindsight is 2020. So I'm not going to, not going to blame right. anyone for, for thinking this way, but it's just crazy to look back and be like, Oh, the Celtics were everyone. The consensus was that the Celtics were getting some middling late round, first round picks it, that weren't going to be able to do anything for them. They were getting a bunch of either washed up or irrelevant role players and the the Nets were getting the, the pieces that they needed to put them over the hump and be a championship contender and without having to give up 
any sort of player compensation. They just had to give up those first. They, they thought that, yeah. I mean, that, they, yeah, they, you know, they were, they were cooking, like you mentioned, but like, I think guys that sort of aged quickly there, like Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, I think aged quickly out of the league and Brooke Lopez, I think back, he was great, but like he couldn't stay on the court quite um, enough for them as well. So like mm-hmm. it didn't work out and that team, you know, fizzed out like really quick. It did. And like in the moment, it made sense why mm-hmm. everyone was believed that it was a, a, a total win for the Nets because Pierce and Garnett were on pretty much expiring contracts. They didn't have to stay. It was just two years of Jason Terry at like the, at the time, mid-level exception. And so they, they shedded salary, got what they thought were two much better players to add to their starting lineup with championship experience. And all they had to do was sacrifice some guys towards the end of the bench and draft picks. But who could have, who could have foresaw the just total implosion of that franchise and the, the fact that those picks would end up turning into guys like Tatum and Brown. Yes. Absolutely wild. Um, uh, it's, I'm just, I can't get over reading this article and it's, it's a bleacher report one from 2013. And the end is like, ultimately it's a great deal for Brooklyn and an absolute steal. It's not what Boston didn't get what it needed from the nets. Rather the nets got so much for what was so easy to give up. Like just, it's just wild to look back at that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's move on to another topic and same, same sort of timeline here. This is Boston Celtics related and it has, when we alluded to it just a little bit earlier, what if, Doc Rivers didn't leave the Boston Celtics in 2013. So right around the same time that Danny Ainge was shipping out Garnett and Pierce, he was also trying to see if he could get anything from the LA Clippers who desperately wanted to make Doc Rivers their head coach in order to help keep Chris Paul in town. And once the, the Garnett and Pierce trade was made pretty much the same day or a day before, day after, the Clippers announced that they had indeed acquired the services of Doc Rivers after Boston agreed to release him in exchange for an unprotected 2015 first-round pick. Now, with the same sort of setting the table as last time, obviously Boston now clearly in rebuild mode, trying to get as many assets as possible to be able to draft young talent and bring that in. Whereas the Clippers are in contention. Lobs, uh, what is it? What were they calling themselves? Uh, Lob City? Dunk City? Lob City. 
Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. That team was in full effect. They were perennial Western Conference contenders. But the Chris Paul experiment was in or had the potential to be coming to an end if they couldn't, if the Clippers couldn't make enough moves to convince Paul to stay. And bringing in Doc Rivers to be his head coach is ultimately what put him over the top and got him to stay on board for the foreseeable future. Now, Doc Rivers had had a hell of a run with the Boston Celtics. In nine years at the helm, he won a championship in 2008. He had a career winning percentage with the the Celtics of 580. And he really, really just turned the franchise around from those early 2000s years, late 90s years where the team was kind of in the doldrums and not really a threat of any sort. Um, Obviously, the big three trade, getting Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett in town to to pair with Pierce worked wonders and was huge for him. But he was still the man that led that team through thick and thin uh, and guided them to that title. Now, so, Dan, let me ask you this. So if Doc Rivers doesn't leave the Celtics, he stays for the early years of that rebuild, what, what's, what does it look like? What, what does it look like if Doc Rivers doesn't go to, to the Clippers? For the Celtics, I don't mean to, you know, sound a little bit redundant or repetitive, but I do think that Doc Rivers staying and not, you know, being dealt or, you know, going to the Clippers for that first round pick, I think it prolongs um, your timeline for rebuilding, right? Because I view Doc Rivers as a guy that his best skill is sort of controlling, you know, superstar egos or guys that need a fit, you know, he's not a developer of talent in my, in my mind. He's not a guy that is very adept at connecting with young talent or, you know, being maybe empathetic at times to young talent that you need to be in today's league. Like look at it and, and, you know, today, with uh, the fallout between him and Ben Simmons with the Sixers. And that just kind of shows me that it would not have gone well if they kept him for the rebuild and tried that out. I don't think he's a guy that would have gotten the most out of um, young guys uh, that he needed to. A guy like Smart that is sort of, you know, hard-headed or whatnot. You know, I know he had you know, success with Rondo um, and getting through to him at times. But Rondo was also surrounded by a cast of future Hall of Famers, you know. So I think that's like, you know, I'll give him some credit for that, but I won't give him full credit. Uh, I I think you see, you know, probably a couple of years of, of mediocre to bottom of the league play before they move on from him. I, I just think it would have extended – the rebuild further, I think Stevens um, ends up getting scooped up by somebody before they're able to even try. 
because obviously they move on from Doc. Boom, they get Brad Stevens on a six-year deal from Butler, hot college coach, young guy, you know, can sort of coach up guys, get the most out of them. That's what we saw with the Brad Stevens-led Celtics. You know, guys sort of giving 100% effort, trying harder, playing harder, harder on defense. And for Doc, I just see it more as like a managing of personalities and, and high, really high-level talent, which you wouldn't have had. You know, your highest level of talent, you know, was probably your youngest guy and, and smart at that time. So I just don't think that um, – I just don't think it, it would have gone well. And I think the team would have struggled. They, they would have been, at best, in my mind, treading water in that league because you don't have really any true, like, leverage besides, you know, say those picks. You know, in this universe, they, they have those picks, but they still have Doc. So who knows how well that team is able to, to, to perform, how high of a level can they get to under Doc is Doc going to even last long enough to see the fruition of those picks? I doubt it. Um, I just think, you know, it's sort of a boring answer, but I think it just prolongs their, their timetable on rebuilding. And you wouldn't be looking at uh, a team that just went to the finals and, and just barely, you know, sort of missed the mark of getting over the hump. But again, not that Doc's a bad coach, just what, you know, the right move was made. He wasn't, he wasn't um, right for what the Celtics were going to be for the next, you know, handful of years. He, he, he just wasn't, you know, and he went to the Clippers and who knows what would have happened with the Clippers, right? Because mm-hmm. you got Doc at the Clippers and they have some runs. They don't get over the hump really at all. And so I, I wonder if, if Doc also just lost his fastball some way uh, along the way and if that would have happened with um, the Celtics. If he had stayed, it would have been even worse. So, yeah, yeah. I think all, ultimately the right move was made, but it would have been very interesting to see how it would have played out had he stayed here. I just don't think it would have been good for the team. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I think that the rebuild – gets dragged out a little bit because you don't have a new voice, a younger voice to lead you through those choppy waters of said rebuild. And ultimately, if if you keep him in town, you don't get Brad Stevens, like you said. And if you don't get Brad Stevens as your coach, then you don't get Brad Stevens as your GM present day who is willing to make moves that – the aforementioned Danny Ainge wouldn't made, which is to trade away draft picks in order to get the necessary pieces to try and put your team over the hump and not just throw away picks for aging players, get the right players to fit into your championship puzzle. Guys like Derek white, bringing back Al Horford, uh, the list goes so on and so forth. Um, Ainge wasn't willing to do that. He was only willing to to fleece you, only willing to get draft picks. He didn't want to give up any of his treasure chest of of picks. But we've seen that Brad Stevens isn't afraid to do that for the right deal. And if you don't have Brad as GM in the present day, you're not getting – maybe you don't get a Derek White 
into your uh, into your onto your team. Maybe you're not bringing back guys uh, like Al Horford uh, to try and and make put your team over the over the hump. Um, it maybe you're not able to trade for a Malcolm Brogdon or bring in a guy like a Danilo Gallinari to fill out your bench. There are a lot of ramifications for this just present day. If, if you don't move on from Doc Rivers at the time that they did. Now, there's not really much to say about the draft pick compensation. The Celtics ended up getting the 28th overall pick that year in 2015 from the Clippers because the Clippers went to the Western Conference Finals that year, I believe. And that pick turned into R.J. Hunter, who... If you're asking me who the hell is that, then the, my point exactly that he amounted to a whole lot of nothing in the league. So the draft compensation is what it was. You, you've, you tried to get something out of it. It didn't really work. Had Doc Rivers stayed, though, I think there are also ramifications for the Clippers. Obviously, Doc... And Doc had, had put out at the time that he was going to see his contract through, which he was under contract for another year or two with Boston. Uh, if he had stayed and played out that contract, I don't know if Chris Paul ends up staying in L.A. Because Doc Rivers signed a five-year, I think it was like $16 million deal to when he went over to coach and kind of take over basketball ops for the Clippers. And you could tell that that kind of sealed Chris Paul and, and made him want to stay with the Clippers. But if you don't bring it in Doc, I don't know if they can find an, another head coach or uh, make another kind of move that's willing to, to keep Chris Paul in town, given the fact that the Clippers could never get over the hump of the Western Conference playoffs. And they never made an NBA Finals appearance. And I feel like that would have accelerated Chris Paul's departure from the Clippers to some other organization. I don't know who that would have been, but I, I just know that the, the Dunk City era of the Clippers definitely would have been shorter than it was. And honestly, the Clippers probably would have entered a rebuild quicker than they ended up having to, which is not to say that they were in a terribly long rebuild themselves similar to the Celtics um, where we were just talking about, but I do think that the Clippers wouldn't have gotten to the point where they, the question was, is this, is LA Clippers town or a Lakers town? I don't think that would have ever have even been a thought, let alone a question. Um, and so it's, it, it, I think this, this actually has ramifications for both sides and I think it's crazy to think that if you don't have Doc, or if you kept, if Doc stays, you probably almost certainly don't get Brad Stevens in your organization. If you don't have Brad Stevens in your organization today, I don't know if the Celtics would have been able to pull off the moves that they have in the past year or two to be able to put themselves into championship contention or at least over the hump to get to that title. And put themselves into a position where they are continually 
year after year championship contenders rather than just kind of getting trying to get over the Eastern Conference hump. Mm, yeah. Yep. All right. Now, there, we got one more basketball one before we move on, and it is this, – this should be a good one, Dan. Yeah. What if Kevin Durant, who famously left Oklahoma City in 2016 to join the Golden State Warriors – a Golden State Warriors team that, mind you, was in the middle of just a absolutely dominant stretch, uh, entering their the primes of their career. Their stars were. What if Durant didn't become a snake and join the Golden State Warriors? So, at the time, it was just Durant and West, Russell Westbrook in OKC. Harden had been traded to the Rockets. And he was coming into his own over in Houston. But the Thunder were still legit title contenders in the West with just Durant and Westbrook, as they still had guys like Serge Ibaka, Stephen Adams, and Andre Roberson. They made it to the Western Conference Finals yet again. They had a series lead on the defending champion Golden State Warriors. Of Golden State Warriors team, mind you, that had just won 73 games that season. They had set the NBA record that year. and But they ended up blowing a 3-2 series lead to the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, losing yet again, failing to get back to the NBA Finals for the first time since, I think, what, 2010, 2011? Somewhere around there. And... This a lot, and then the Warriors themselves, like I said, they ha- they were coming off a seventy three and nine season, and they got back to the NBA Finals after winning it all in twenty fifteen. They ended up actually losing to the Cavs in seven in twenty sixteen, but they were obviously there to stay, whether or not Durant joined them or not. But Kevin Durant joining them obviously made that team just disgusting. The, the superest of super teams ended up cruising to 55 and 64 win seasons, uh, two back-to-back NBA championships in 2017 and 2018, probably would have been a third in 2019 had everyone not named Draymond Green gotten hurt in, over the course of that playoff run where I think they pretty much even Draymond, I think had some injury issues where they just, they had nobody by the end of it. That was the year that uh, Durant tore his Achilles. Uh, I think Clay Thompson tore his ACL. Yeah. Curry was dealing with ankle issues and they really just ran out of gas that year. And they just, fell short in the NBA finals to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, So the question in this one is what happens if Durant doesn't join the Warriors in 2016? Do they, do the Warriors, are the Warriors still the Warriors? Do they still go to all those championships, win all those titles without Durant? And what, what happens to the Thunder? Obviously in this 
with Durant leaving, the Thunder kind of fizzled out. Russell Westbrook had those MVP seasons where he was just stat padding, averaging triple doubles year in and year out. But the Thunder weren't really any sort of serious championship threat with no Durant, no Harden, and just Westbrook. So, Dan, talk to me. What what if Durant doesn't join the Warriors? Does he stay in Oklahoma City? Does he go somewhere else? What do you think? Dude. I think there are so many, and this is why I, I picked this one. Um, there's so many possibilities if that doesn't happen, right? Like, like I almost have to preface it with, is he leaving no matter what? Or is he staying in OKC for sure for now? Because um, I think he was kind of hell-bent on, on leaving, whether it was the Warriors or whatever. I know it was rumored, like, I think – like early, like early that he was going to join them like before that season even ended. Um, but, you know, cause I, I was just trying to spitball, like, you know, obviously the arms race at that time was Cleveland and golden state. So if yeah. he doesn't go to golden state, is there any inkling in LeBron or, you know, GM LeBron or whoever in their mind of, oh, maybe we should try and get this guy. Like, I, I, I think in a pipe dream, like a Kyrie for KD swap would have been like a, a just amazing. It, I like, I would have loved to see that instead. Um, but no, I, I think if KD doesn't, doesn't leave for Golden State, I think ultimately he stays um, with Oklahoma City for that time being um, and tries to run it again with, with Russ and company. Um, but again, I think the biggest ramification is that you don't make the Golden State Warriors the you know, like the 96 Bulls or whatever, you know, you, you don't, you know, really, really just make them a juggernaut where they can do whatever they want. They can coast, they, they can flip the switch whenever they want. Um, and I think Cleveland would have benefited obviously the most from, KD not joining them. I think Cleveland could have seen another title, maybe two, um, yeah. if if they had stayed healthy, right? And then who knows if LeBron, if Cleveland wins multiple titles, I don't know that LeBron feels the need to hop again to say LA. Maybe LA was always in the cards for him in his mind. Maybe that was always going to happen. I don't know, but you win multiple titles with your hometown city. And if you win multiple titles with your hometown city, with Cleveland, all of a sudden, maybe you don't have to go to LA to lure Anthony Davis. Maybe you can find a way to make something happen um, more so in Cleveland and Kyrie. Kyrie's motivations may change. If you win multiple titles, maybe he does not want out as soon as he did. Um, I think those are all on the table. All those cards are, are on the table. I think Cleveland for sure was the most impacted by that move. Cause you're just looking at it like, dude, what the hell? Like y'all just won 73 games and you're just going to decide to add arguably the greatest score of the modern era. Like <laughs> you're, yeah. you're just going to do that. Um, and obviously like, you know, Golden State at that point, like they they were just too stacked. It, like 
you know, the regular season just seemed like a, it seemed like preseason. It seemed like it didn't even matter because you knew it was going to be Cleveland, Golden State, and the finals weren't going to be that great because you just, you had an absolute juggernaut on the other end. And I think that, I truly think that Cleveland would have won at least one more title because even in 2018, LeBron's um, last year in Cleveland, he played, I believe, all 82 games in the regular season. He was not gassed. He was not burnt out at that point. Um, you know, you're just going up against an absurd, absurd team that I don't know if we'll ever, ever see the likes again, unless that John goes back there this offseason, which I won't put it past him getting traded. But that, that would be something. Yeah. So my like from where I'm coming from here on this one, I think like LeBron, LeBron could have five right now if it weren't for that, for sure. So I agree with you. I think the Cavs definitely win one of those two, two championships that Durant won in, in Golden State. Uh, I think it would have been a lot more even keeled in those series, uh, a bit more competitive than it already was. And it would have been a bit more seesawed. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I think that ultimately this impacted the Oklahoma City Thunder far more than it did either the Warriors or the Cavs. Yes, it's it's if you're talking about the most impactful, it's championships. It has to be. And obviously, uh, I think this impacted whether or not Golden State or, or Cleveland uh, won titles. But the Warriors won in 2015 without him, without Durant. And they made it back to the finals in 2016 after a preposterous 73-win season and was one game short of winning it all. LeBron was just superhuman in that series and did LeBron things and brought a title to his hometown. So even if you don't – if the Warriors didn't get Durant, like I still think they're fully capable of winning those titles in 2017 and 2018 – and making it back in 2019 to the finals. I just, I just don't think it would have been as easy and they would have needed the, the sort of injury luck that they had where they, they weren't, they had their whole core staying healthy like they did in 2015 and 2016. And they were able to stay at the top of their game. If Durant kind of just gave them an, an, an out, uh, kind of like an insurance policy of sorts where yes, they had four like all NBA ish at the time level players that were just bonafide all-stars superstars. Even at that time, you knew some of them were going to be future hall of famers for sure in Curry and Durant. And it kind of gave them the ability to kind of cruise in the regular season, knowing that, Whenever they wanted to, they could just dump on you. And that if you take Durant away, that kind of makes them a little bit more susceptible, especially in the postseason. But given their track record of what they were becoming before Durant joined them and what their track record was after, I really, 
I really think Golden State would have been just fine and it wouldn't, they wouldn't have been as impacted outside of maybe not winning the championships in both 2017 and 2018. Uh, yes. So um, I think, I think the Cavs definitely would have won one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's totally fair to say. I, you know, going back to 2015, you know, I, the only thing about that one is that like LeBron had, the whole team, both arenas, um, everything on his back because he had freaking Matthew Delvadova, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think K-Love was hurt for that one too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, like, he was really working with nothing. I mean, regardless, I think uh, Golden State was probably the better team that year anyways. But, you know, again, like, their finals MVP was Iguodala. So who knows if, you know, that, I mean, that's another one. If, if, if Kyrie and K-Love are, are all good for that year, mm-hmm. um, if they win. But anyways, you're totally right. They proved it this year. I mean, I mean, besides, you know, some young guys sprinkled in to, you know, to help, you know, balance them out. They're basically the same core that they won with prior to KD. Yeah. Uh, so Who's who's to say they don't still come out with, um, you know, the same number of titles. But anyways, yeah, I that that KD move, man, that that. You know, it wasn't as public as like the decision from LeBron, but it almost feels bigger in a way and in some ways. But that's a different argument. But yeah. yeah. Now, I very much remember where I was when Durant made the decision to leave. Because I remember, like you said, like there were rumors galore that he he had been meeting with all these different teams. His final list of teams, if you recall, Dan, was Oklahoma City, Golden State, San Antonio, Boston, Miami, and the Clippers. Sending Jay Crowder and Kelly Olenek to meet him in the fucking Hamptons. (laughs) As well as like I think Ortiz, David Ortiz, or Tom yeah. Brady we, were rumored we had to, give to have. Them, we had to give them the other greats, you know, the ones that were actually doing the thing, but on other teams. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, like you said earlier, that's a whole other conversation in itself. If he doesn't go to Golden State, where does he end up? Does he? Does he just? Is it a given that he goes back to Oklahoma City? Which personally. I think it would have been. I, I know you said that he was determined to kind of get out of town and find try and find a path to a championship elsewhere. But I just have a tough time seeing because he's a, a, a DC kid. So yeah. the Wizards were not really an option at this time. The, the, just bringing him in wasn't going to make the Wizards a, a championship contender. So he was looking to go to somewhere that they were already knocking on the doorstep and they just needed that superstar to put them over the top. And so I think that I, I really think he, he would have stayed uh, if I'm being honest with you, Dan, I think he would have stayed in Oklahoma city. The thunder would have remained a power in the Western conference. I don't think Russell Westbrook would have been putting up those triple doubles seasons 
with Durant still in town. So Westbrook does, never wins an MVP. I think that's for sure. So that's kind of a trickle-down effect if Durant not only didn't leave the Warriors but stayed in Oklahoma City. Uh, but I, I don't think the Thunder would have necessarily ever gotten over the hump again and gotten back to the NBA Finals just given how how good those warrior the mid 2010 warriors were were coming into like they like winning 73 Dude. games out of 82 and then proceeding to march all the way to the NBA finals and yes they came up short in seven but like one went away from a championship to cap off the the greatest regular season in history that that shows that they were they were there they had rebuilt and they had drafted correctly. They had hit all across the board. They had brought in the right, the right complementary pieces to to do that. To to uh, to the right coach. Yep, they they had done everything from an organizational standpoint to put that team in the best spot. And the players were, and everyone on the court was thriving. And so I'm. I really think this is less about the Warriors and the Cavs because I think that those two teams would have still gotten to the finals and they still would have been battling it out. Maybe maybe one of those years it flip-flops from the Warriors to the Cavs. But outside of that, I think this impacts the, the Thunder or whatever team Durant would have jumped ship to uh, far more because it sent the Thunder basically into a tailspin of, yeah, we're like a 44 and 38 win team with, with just Westbrook. He's stat padding. He's winning MVP, but we're nothing more than a six or a seven seed, which yeah. in, in NBA terms means you're a playoff team, but you're not a contender. Yeah. So they, they, they really just went and they had a couple of years of that before going into this rebuild where Sam Presti is now trying to do his best Danny Ainge impression and see if he can amass yeah. as, as many, <laughs> if not more uh, first round draft picks in, in the future than Ainge. And I think he's, I think he's done that. Although Ainge now is, is going to argue with it, that Rudy Gobert trade. Hey, Hey, Hey buddy, look at all these draft picks. You could never, you could never. I am convinced Sam Presti, at all times when he is working his job, he's wearing some sort of VR headset. <laughs> it's connected to 2K, right? And he's just playing my GM mode the whole time. But it's real life. When he makes the decision, it's happening in real life. But he sees it as it's 2K. And he's like, yep, <laughs> boom, traffic. Oh, uh, three and a half star value on that. Yep, boom. I got another top five pick. And then I got this one. That's literally what he's doing. Yeah, no, he that that's so on point. That that's great. Um, but I think, one, yeah, go ahead. One more thing. I think one more thing gets gets uh, impacted by KD staying. I don't know if it's just eliminated or if it's uh, you know pushed down the road a bit. But I think KD's um, burner persona on Twitter and his <laughs> Twitter persona in general would have been maybe different. Uh, he goes to Golden State. People come at him on Twitter, and he just comes right back at him, and he just goes off. <laughs> like, mm. he just does not give a fuck. He had burners. People finally found out he had burners because he, he was just getting so much shit for what he did online. And finally, he was like, you know what? Fuck it. 
all y'all know I talk shit on Twitter anyways. I'm just going to go on my actual account now and just talk my shit back. And you know what? That's a gift. I don't know if we would have gotten as soon as we did if he had stayed. So that's another one. Mm -hmm. I think the final thing that we should mention here is that if Durant doesn't go to Golden State and win his his two championships – Let's say he, if he were to stay in Oklahoma City and he never wins a title, I don't think he jumps shit to Brooklyn with Kyrie to form some unproven super team in Brooklyn. I, I really think that Durant was hell-bent at that point in 2018. Like he, he was fine. He wanted to try something new, win with guys that hadn't necessarily won. Uh, yeah. Now, Kyrie had won a championship with LeBron, but it was behind in the shadow of LeBron. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Durant wanted to kind of win one as the centerpiece of an organization and be the guy that everyone kind of – that that team was built around. Whereas Uh, he he jumped ship – when he jumped ship to the Golden State Warriors, that Warriors team was already locked in, had already been created. It was what it was. Durant – even though he was arguably the best player on that team was more of an accessory piece. And I know that sounds blasphemous to say, but he was just the P the guy that put that team so far above the top. Whereas when he ended up leaving and going to Brooklyn, he was the guy, the one that they built around alongside Kyrie in order to, to try and become a champion in their own right. Uh, whereas those two were the head honchos, uh, not living in somebody's sh- shadow, either from a team or a player standpoint. So, yeah. I, I give them a lot more credit for the Brooklyn move, trying something like that than the golden state move. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he does the Brooklyn move. If he wins, if he doesn't win titles before that, right. I think, yeah. I think if if he ended up staying in Oklahoma City for another couple of years, him and Westbrook can't find a way to to get back to the finals or win one, then he's going to be again reevaluating his options. I, I don't know if he joins the the Warriors no matter what, but if you let's let's I mean you can look at the available list of options and the Spurs we're still doing their thing, perennial Western Conference power. He could have put them over the top, but I don't know if adding Durant to the Spurs in the mid to late 2010s would have resulted in a championship just because of the Warriors. It all, it all comes back to the Warriors and the fact that whether they had Durant or not, they were a dynasty in the making and they were a power to stay. So I think Durant either if he doesn't go to to Golden State and he doesn't stay in Oklahoma City, I think he's going to the Eastern Conference no matter what. So I I think you could rule out the Spurs and the Clippers, even though pairing CP3, uh, I think CP3 was still on the Clippers at this time. Yeah, he was. uh, With uh, Durant and maybe Blake Griffin. That, that would have been disgusting, yes, but I still don't know if that's enough to take down the, the Golden State Warriors in the West because the, the, him and Westbrook couldn't do it. So 
why would him and CP3 be able to do it with CP3 being a known playoff fraud? That's so, probably what he told himself. He, he was probably just like, dude, it's like it's either Golden State or it's or it's the East because like I like no one is getting past these these Johns. No one. Yeah, and if he goes to the East now, he's in direct competition with LeBron, with, yeah. and so now he's got to join a team that's willing to or that's able to compete with with LeBron in in the Cavs. And Boston, I don't think was ready to quite do that at the time. Uh, they had just drafted Jalen Brown. They had a, Marcus Smart. A couple years of that, they were starting to put the uh, the pieces together. But that was, I think, that was the IT year. Was that the the year Isaiah Thomas was disgusting? I think so. So they had Isaiah Thomas. He was, I know he averaged like 29 points per game that year. He, he was an all-star. He was having a tremendous year for the Celtics, but that's all they really had. Nobody else was averaging more than 13 or 14 points per game. Uh, it was like him, Al Horford and Jay Crowder and like, and Kelly Olenek. That's really all they had. And Durant joining them would have been amazing. But I, it, it just wouldn't – I don't think it would have been enough to put the Celtics over the Cavs. Likewise, with the Heat, they they really didn't – even if they added Durant, they didn't have enough to, to – that I think they would have been able to get over the hump yeah. and take down Cleveland. So I really – I think you're right when you say that Durant was pretty much hell-bent on A, getting out of there, and B – um, going to Golden State because that was the only real option. It was either join Golden State or join join LeBron in Cleveland. Which who yeah. do you feel better about for winning championships? And Durant felt better about joining Golden State, and I, he ultimately made the right move for himself. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how that would have played out. Is is if he goes if he didn't go to Golden State, I feel like going anywhere else wouldn't have made much of a difference. So he would have been better off just staying and hoping that him and Westbrook could have found a way to, to break through and get back to the finals. Yeah. And also, even if he didn't know it at the time, if he stayed, cause like people forget, like he was, he was really loved. Like remember the, you, the real MVP speech, like, yes. Dude, like he was literally like the poster boy for the NBA until we did that pretty much. Like besides LeBron, like whatever. But people loved him. Like he wasn't really polarizing. Um, he was just like, you know, the the Slim Reaper, you know, he was just the the dude that was tatted all underneath his his jersey and like one of the best scorers that we've seen, like fucking seven feet runs like a shooting guard can pull it from 30. Like that's who he was. And he didn't know it at the time, but he torpedoed his whole reputation um, amongst the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and now it's like, he's slowly getting that back. But I mean, everyone knows at the end of the day, his reputation is he couldn't win one on his own with the team that he came up with. And so he left to join the dynasty. 
and yep. win his championships that way. That's 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 what his legacy is until he finds a way to win one without a super team. Absolutely. And even even now, like like assembling himself, Irving and Harden. I don't know how much better that would have been because that's again, that's another big three. That's another super ish team. Not quite on the level of Golden State, but close. It just obviously that version of a super team, big three, never worked out. He, just, he tied himself to the wrong guys. That's yep. that's it. <sighs> so that's that's I think how that would have played out. Uh, yeah, roughly. Yep. Well, Dan, I think that's going to do it for this part of what ifs v2 part one we'll definitely be having a couple more parts here so stay tuned for part two maybe even a part three part four who knows how long we're we'll go on this what if series with with how well we're we're doing here but i think that's gonna do it so for dan sadik i'm ryan brown we will see you next time for part two of V2 of our What If series.